0: Morning, we want to read uh, from Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 11 to 14. Well, this morning I want to encourage you as we uh, come to uh, Ephesians this morning. And if we read this passage and we're not encouraged, then something's wrong. We haven't uh, understood fully uh, the gospel uh, message. And here in Ephesians, this first uh, section of verses from verse 1 to 14. You need to know that in the Greek, it is just one big, long sentence. Uh, The idea here is that Paul's heart is just overflowing with praise to God, so much so that no one can quieten him. No one can shut him up. He just wants to tell you all about God and the blessings that God has given you. And that is the heart here And in many ways, this first chapter of Ephesians mirrors the book itself. In verse 1 to 14, here is Paul and he is explaining to you all that God has done for you. And then from verse 15 through to 23, there's this wonderful prayer that we'll get into next week. And this prayer of Paul's is this, that what I've just shared with you, about who God is and what He has done for you, my prayer is that you would experience the fullness of that as a reality in your day-to-day lives. And that kind of mirrors this book of Ephesians as we're stepping into it. Uh, That chapters 1 to 3 is all about Paul explaining to us all that God has done for us. And then in chapters 4 to 6, we're going to see uh, this challenge and this encouragement Uh, to live as God's people, to live as the body of Christ in light of what God has done for us. And in these verses, in chapter 1 to 14, it is clearly Trinitarian, it talks about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but there is also this phrase that is repeated time and time again, and it is this, in Christ or in Him. Let's just have a look. If you've got your Bibles there, let me just read it again and just listen out for that phrase. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Him, that is Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included In Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Here is Paul, and he is magnifying the work of Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, this is a very Trinitarian passage: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He draws our attention to the unique saving work of Christ, as the one through whom and in whom these spiritual blessings flow to us. And He's already spoken to us about how we've been chosen, how we've been adopted into the family of God, how we've been redeemed and how we have been forgiven. And this morning, we want to think uh, about this theme about all that we inherit if we are in Christ. Inheritance is the theme for this morning. I read about some interesting ways in which people have inherited money uh, over this last week. I was reading I was reading uh, about a story in Portugal of a man called Luis Carlos, and he was kind of a multimillionaire. He didn't have any uh, direct uh, children or family members in order to pass his inheritance to. And so 13 years uh, before he died, he went into the registry office in front of two witnesses, and at random, he chose 70 people from the telephone directory. (laughs) And those 70 people on his death were to be the people who would inherit his fortune. And true enough, that's what happened. Once he died, these 70 people got a phone call uh, from his solicitors. In Hungary, uh, there were two brothers called Zoltz and Giza. And they were very poor, and they lived in a cave outside Budapest. They had had a difficult relationship uh, with their mum, but they knew that their mum had come from a wealthy family, although they had never met their grandparents. And their mother passed away, but their grandmother was still alive, although they had never met her. And it wasn't until she passed away that they discovered that they had just inherited Four billion pounds, the equivalent of four billion pounds. Two brothers living in poverty in a cave, only to discover they were billionaires. And in 1992, uh, a girl called Cara Wood, uh, who was 17, uh, was working in a diner about 15 miles outside Cleveland. And she was a good employee, she was bright, Uh, she was friendly and helpful and there was this one customer called Bill Croxton. and he was a widower, and he had no children, and every day he used to come to this diner, and he would enjoy his lunch there, and he felt welcomed, and he felt that this was a great place to go, all because of this waitress, Cara Wood, who would serve him every day, and so unbeknown to her, at his death, She discovered that he had changed his will, and that as a result that she had just inherited half a million pounds, half a million dollars. Pays to be nice. Pays to be nice. Good reminder for you in your workplace as you step into Monday, tomorrow. Well, as amazing as these inheritances are, we have a greater inheritance in Christ. And that is the theme of these verses. Now, this is one of the times that the NIV is not greatly clear in its translation. This is a difficult verse, verse 11, in order to translate. And in the NIV, it says, in him we were also chosen. But if you look at the footnotes, and footnotes are there to help us as we read through God's Word, Uh, you might find that there are a number of different options there, and it might be different in the translation that you have before you. And so, we could read that in him we were made heirs, in him we obtained an inheritance, or in him in whom we were made an inheritance. So, that is the theme that we're thinking about here in verse 11, and it's picked up again in verse 13 and 14. And it says this, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So the start of the passage and the end is talking about inheritance. That is our theme for the morning. As we come to Christ as our lives are found in Christ because of what He has done for us, and as we respond to that, we receive this great inheritance. And in order to understand this passage this morning and what it's talking about, there are two questions that we need to ask ourselves, because there's a kind of double aspect to this verse 11. The first is this, what do we inherit And the second is, what does Christ inherit? And we'll look at both of those, and there's a bit of an overlap. And hopefully this will encourage your hearts this morning, because this is what awaits us, and some of it we already have, which is a great encouragement. Well, to understand this, firstly, let's look at Romans 8, verse 15 to 17. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share also in his glory. A couple of weeks ago, Peter MacDonald was speaking about this theme of adoption that runs through these verses. And this idea that when we come to Christ, we are adopted into his family. And we were thinking last week about redemption as well, and how those chains are broken that we're no longer slaves to sin but we are now children of God, and that itself is a wonderful spiritual blessing that we receive in Christ. And one of the signs that we are a true child of God, and there's a challenge here, is that we share in the sufferings as Christ did, but if we share in His sufferings, if we are truly children of God, then we will also share in His glory. And the idea here is that the father has this great inheritance that he's going to pass to his son, Jesus Christ. But we're also adopted into the family of God. I've got the blessing of being an uncle uh, to a little girl who's been adopted into our wider family. And that little girl is treated exactly the same way as her siblings, and everything that our siblings will inherit, she also shares in as well. Wonderful, beautiful picture. Just as family should be. No differences. And here is the generosity of God, that as the Father shares with His Son, Jesus Christ, His one and only Son, we discover that we've been adopted into this family as well, that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And so we get to share in this inheritance that Christ receives. So that's Romans 8. And then we read these words in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him, whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited, is superior to theirs. Here's the idea the Father has this great inheritance that he's going to pass to his son, and we're going to share in it. And so, the natural question when it comes to inheritance is what am I going to inherit? What is Christ's inheritance that I get to share in? What am I going to get excited about? And here in Hebrews, it tells us that Christ has inherited all things, that he is an heir to all things. This is the generosity of God the Father, blessing the Son. And so, if Christ is heir to all things, and he's going to share it with us, we ask the question, what are we looking for? What are you looking for in life? What are you looking forward to inheriting? In Christ there is all things. Are you looking for forgiveness? It's there. Are you looking for righteousness? You will inherit that. Eternal life. Fellowship with God. A room in the Father's house. Rewards in heaven. Eternal peace and security. Eternal joy that no one can rob you of. Grace, mercy, and wisdom, and truth, and victory, and power. Life and life to the full. You see, Christ is heir to all things. And in Christ, we receive all things. There is nothing that He holds back from us. God gives, and He gives, and He gives some more. And we could stay here all morning, and we still wouldn't end and get to the end of our list. Of naming all the kingdom blessings that are waiting for us if we are in Christ. It should cause us to rejoice this morning. In Christ, we get all things. And secondly, Hebrews tells us that Christ has inherited a name that is superior to all that the name of Jesus is a name above all names. And when we are in Christ, we stand in Christ's name. We stand in the name of Jesus. And that name is symbolic of the power and the authority that has been given to Christ. And we get a walk in that power. And we get a walk in that authority. And as we live for Christ, so we will reign with Him also, and we will share in His glory. Wonderful promises. Not just of what we're waiting to inherit, but we get a foretaste of it now. And that should encourage our hearts this morning. And how do we know that these things will come to pass? Well, because we stand on the promises of God. Remember that old hymn? Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, everyone to receive these spiritual blessings that are waiting for you in Christ. Hebrews 10:23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Romans 4, 20-21, Yet he, Abraham, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his face and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Men and women of faith, down through the ages, have clung to the promises of God. And we know about promises broken in our lives. There are many who make promises to us, and they break those promises. And here, let's hold our hands up, because we make promises to others, and we break them. But there's one who never breaks his promises, and that is God. And God has promised all these things to us, And so we know that as we wait patiently for Him, and yes, sometimes life involves a bit of suffering and a bit of struggle for Christ, and just as we walk through a sinful world, that struggle is there, but it's worth holding on to Him because there is a greater glory that is coming. And so Christ has inherited all things and he passes them to us. That is a wonderful thing. But there is also something special that Christ will inherit. Back in verse 11, right at the start again, it says, in him we were chosen. And that could be translated as we were made an inheritance. What is this special blessing that Christ receives. We receive many spiritual blessings in Christ, but Christ also receives a blessing. And what is that blessing? Well, it's you. It's you. You here this morning, you are the special blessing that Christ is going to receive. Amazing. We think back to the Old Testament, and it says this, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. Wonderful truth here by the Jewish people in the Old Testament, that they were chosen to be God's special possession, His treasured possession. Possession. Then we step into the New Testament, and we read familiar words like this, which are now applied to the church. And it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, to proclaim the virtues of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And that is the idea that is caught up in the Greek. Not only that we receive an inheritance, but that we are an inheritance that Christ receives. But the blessing he receives is you and I. We are his special treasured possession. He loves you. Not only does Calvary demonstrate his love for you, and not only does he demonstrate his love for us by giving us good and perfect gifts, and he does in abundance, and we need to have hearts that are full of gratitude to God. But he gives us himself, and the church is the bride of Christ, and he is the groom. We get the greatest gift of all. We get that relationship with Christ. And he gets us. And he rejoices over us. And he delights in us. And we need to remind ourselves of that. And if you doubt that, go away and read Song of Songs. It's all about that idea of how much God loves us and delights in us. How does this happen? How do we become the people of God? How do we gain this great inheritance? Well, again, there is a double aspect to this. There is what God does for us, and there is what we must do. And we read these words, having been predestined according to the plan of Him, Who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Three ideas here for you as we begin to wrap things up. The first is this that you are chosen. And we saw this idea earlier on in the verses in Ephesians that He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. God loved you and He chose you. Before the foundation of the world, He knew you. And He loved you and He chose you and He pursued you he pursued you because he wanted you to come into a relationship with him. And the initiative of our relationship with God lies with God himself. It always starts with God. It never starts with us. It always starts with God. And that is the idea here. Here. And so, He chose us, and He loved us, and He pursued us. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to respond to that love. Paul says that you were the first to put your hope in Christ. There is what God does, and there is what we must do. And we know this truth in our lives. We think back on our own spiritual walk, and there comes that moment where our hearts and our minds are opened to Jesus. Perhaps we've heard the Christian message before, and it went in one ear and out the other, but suddenly there comes that day where it begins to make sense. That is God calling to you. And he speaks, and there comes a time in our life where his voice gets stronger, and his voice gets clearer, and suddenly we begin to see Jesus in a different way. But we still need to respond, and again, that idea is seen in those verses we read today says this, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, and when you believed. That is how it works. We hear and we believe. That is our responsibility. <laughs> Again, thinking about this great love that God has for us, an appropriate analogy is falling in love, falling in love with someone for the first time. There's someone in the relationship who takes the initiative and they come along and they woo you and they pursue you and they don't give up on you and day by day and week by week they demonstrate their love for you. And over time, you're drawn into this deeper relationship with the person. And then the invitation comes, and they get down on one knee, and they ask the question, will you marry me? But you have to respond, don't you? There is a response involved. You have to say yes. And you still have a choice and yet many testify that it is no choice at all because their mind was made up long ago. Such was the love that was shown to them that is the most natural decision in the world. And that is like God. He comes along and He chooses us and He loves us and He pursues us and He woos us and He demonstrates His love for us and He calls us to Himself. Himself. And yes, there comes that point where we hear the gospel message and we believe and that invitation is given and we need to receive it. But many of us will testify But that point. There's really no choice at all. Our hearts and our minds were made up long ago. Not only does God choose us and pursue us and love us, but he shows his love by working out everything in order that we might come to him. Wonderful truth here. That word for work out or work, similar to the word that we get energy from or energize. Think of that Duracell bunny It's like this idea that God is just doing everything He can in order for us to be able to come to Him. That He is preparing the path for us. Christ goes to the cross in order that all barriers that are there for us to come into relationship with Him might be removed. That is the God we have. He doesn't just call us. He prepares the way for us, that we might enter into these incredible spiritual blessings and into this incredible inheritance that He has for us. And it's all done in order that we might live to the praise of His glory, that we might comprehend and understand what God has done for us, and our lives might be lived for the glory of God. That our lives might be lived in such a way that we just day by day, moment by moment, give him praise for what he has done. It says this at the end of the passage When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory as we wait for that marriage supper of the Lamb, as we wait for that moment when we will be in heaven, when we will receive this inheritance in full. Yes, we receive some of it in part now, but we wait for that moment we will receive it in full. We're given a deposit. We're given a down payment, something that guarantees our inheritance. And that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the wonderful thing about this word deposit or down payment is that the same word in Greek that is used for engagement ring. It's that idea of a pledge or an engagement. It's a beautiful picture. Fits in with what we've been talking about this morning. Of God's love for you and for me. And when we come to Christ as a sign we belong to him, we're sealed in him, we're protected by him, and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit until that moment we realize the eternal inheritance that is for us. And all this is done, all this is done for the praise of his glory. It's not about us It's all about Him. It's so that when we tell the story, we tell a story of a great God who loved us and pursued us and made it possible for us to come into relationship with Him and blessed us with every good and perfect gift. And it's a great love story, a love story of God. And that's the enthusiasm and that's the passion that Paul has here. And that's why it's just one big long sentence of overflowing joy and love and praise to God. And that should be mirrored in our lives. And as we read these verses again, like the couple who have been married for many, many years and remember afresh why they fell in love, we're to fall in love again with Jesus this morning and we're to praise him and we're to worship him. Let's pray together. Lord, may we fall in love with you afresh this morning. May we return to our first love, may our hearts and our minds just be overflowing with praise to you for every spiritual blessing that we have received in Christ. We love you, Lord. We're amazed by your love, by your lavish grace that is shown to us. You would choose us and that you would pursue us and that you would call to us And that you would demonstrate your love for us in holding nothing back from us. And that we get this blessing of being called into relationship with you and of the joy that that brings. Forgive us when we lose that joy. Forgive us for when we lose that love, when our hearts are not overflowing with praise and worship to you but we pray that our spirits might be stirred up afresh this morning to declare afresh the wonders of God. And we thank you that you bless us and you bless us and you bless us some more. We thank you that no eye can see nor mind comprehend the blessings that are in store for those of us who love you, Lord. We thank you that we are yours and that you are mine and we can enjoy that intimate relationship with you. Encourage our hearts this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen.